Hey everybody, you're listening to the How to Have Threesomes podcast. I'm Key. And I'm Lily. We've been together for seven years in a relationship style we call monogamish. This podcast is going to give you everything you need to build a stronger relationship with your partner, create healthy boundaries, and communicate honestly. We're going to help you have fun, safe, sexy adventures and have the best threesomes of your life. Ready? Here we go. You. Before we jump into the episode today, we wanted to tell you that the How to Have Threesomes video course is now open for enrollment. We have spent years working on this project and are so, so excited to share it with you. In this course, we teach you all of our secrets for finding your ideal unicorn, from navigating dating apps and play parties to forming connections with friends and with professionals. Regardless of your experience level, this video course is full of actionable tips, tricks, and worksheets, like the needs list, kinky questionnaire, and what makes a high-converting Tinder bio. We show you how to express your deepest desires without destroying a relationship, plus how to maintain excitement with your partner. If you want to have the best threesomes of your life, this is the video course for you. We are now also offering coaching for people who want that individual attention. Some of the best money we ever spent was on a professional to help guide us through our challenging times. And not every therapist is trained to navigate non-monogamy, so if you and your partner want some extra support in these tricky situations, we're here for you guys. Another thing that we're offering is a sexy getaway. Come and spend a week with us on a tropical island. We're going to take you on some amazing experiences like hiking waterfalls, partner acro, fire dancing, and some crazy party nights. We've also teamed up with experts to bring you workshops in Tantra, Shibari, trust building, and pickup. Plus, personalized photo shoots to show off the best version of yourself online. By the end of the retreat, you'll be more confident, have a better connection with your partner, and a deeper understanding of your desires. This retreat will be a bunch of wild and sexy times, and we're stoked to bring you guys out here. We're offering the video course and the coaching on teachable.com. If you want more details about the couples retreat, we have a form you can fill out. All the links will be available in the show notes or on the How to Have Threesomes Instagram. You guys are also welcome to reach out to us directly for coaching or anything else you might need. Hello, everybody. We are back, and today we have probably the person who's about to be my favorite guest ever, ever, because she's actually <laughs> trained and, like, actually a coach and has a real-life book that you guys should totally buy that I'm going to link at the end. This is Ari. Hi. Hi. Welcome to our house. We're happy to finally meet you. We have been referred to by, like, five or six different people who all swore we needed <laughs> to meet you, and now I see why, and I'm holding her book, um, and I think it is more legit than anything else I've seen in relating to like this actual whole interest and like types of relationships. So who are you? What do you do? Why are you here? <laughs> Hi. I'm so excited that I'm here on your couch. Yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, so my name is Ari Kardosh and I run a company called Relearn Love and I'm also the best-selling author of a book called Relationship Agreements. And my whole journey has been wild and crazy, and right now my focus is really on helping people relearn all the things I think we should have learned when we were younger about what is possible in love and relationships, and also to undo all the crap we learned before, like what our parents <laughs> taught us, what our religions taught us, what our social media taught us, and just get rid of all of that and say, okay, well, how do we actually create healthy relationships no matter what the relationship structure is, whether we're monogamous or we're poly or we're uh, relationship anarchists, it's like, how do you actually create something that works? Oh my God. Okay, so for people who want to get in touch with you, I'll also link this at the end. Is is there a social media you want or a website or should they just buy I'll the book straight away? I'll give you all those links. I'll give you all those links, but okay. easiest way is relearnlove.com. Okay. And cool. I'm on Instagram as Coach Ari Kardosh, and I'm on oh. Facebook and all and and everywhere you want to find me. Okay, all the things. So, <laughs> I'm just going to start at, at the normal beginning question, but I feel like you have a more interesting answer than most. 
how did you first discover your sexuality? When was the first time you realized that, like, you had attraction to other humans in the world? And was it complicated? Because mm. you also mentioned that you had a more religious yeah. conservative upbringing, which tends to cause some squirrely... Yeah. Mm. I would say the first time I discovered my sexuality was when I was five. Okay. And that was... I was, I was, I remember we were in, a ho- in our house at home, and my parents are extremely conservative Christian and leaders in their community, and also they're just really amazing souls when it comes to communication, and they teach marriage classes in the church, and wow. so I grew up like seeing that modeled, and I thought it was really beautiful. And, and are, are they still together? They're still together, yeah, oh. they still teach together, wow. yeah, everything is, it's really amazing. Um, and I was taking a bath. And we had jacuzzi, and mm-hmm. the jets jacuzzi were on. Jets. I discovered how amazing jacuzzi jets are, and my mother walked in, and she looked at me, and at that moment she registered what was going on, and she could have chosen many ways to react, and she just gave this like knowing, peaceful smile, and turned around and gave me privacy. Like, really? Yeah, and it was really Good beautiful. for her. Yeah, she... She teaches sex ed. She taught my private Catholic school mm. for sex ed. And so she also was kind of a rebel. She was a bit yeah. of a wild barefoot hippie who wanted, who also has strong faith in Christ. So it was a very interesting combination. That's such an interesting mix. And good for yeah. her for not doing the shaming and, yeah. the, and causing that first yeah. trauma. But yeah, the so jacuzzi, the solid. self-pleasure was all good. And then as I grew older, for me, there just became a point, especially on the age of like, fifth, sixth grade, where things started to separate, where I really felt a strong desire to be with people. It didn't really matter what mm-hmm. what um, apparatuses were attached or not. It was just like, I want to be with people. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And when I would go to my youth group and I would talk to my youth group leaders and they were like, oh, if they were a man, they're like, we can't talk to you about that. Go to the women's group. In the women's group, we'd all talk about how to be a good wife and how to get married sure, and how to prepare yeah. yourself for marriage, you know, and, and all the girls were thinking about how they want to, you know, like maybe hold somebody's hand. And I couldn't stop thinking about how I wanted some guy's tongue down my throat. And I'm like, I'm going to go to hell for this. And I'd talk to the boys and they're like, wait a minute, you think about boobs too? Like, wait, we can't talk to you about this. This isn't okay. And so I became really isolated and I felt very alone mm-hmm. and like, wow, I'm the only girl who thinks about this stuff. And I'm going to burn in hell if I do it. So what do I do? So it was this big wrestling of, like, what do I do between my faith and my sexuality? And luckily, I found some really beautiful people to help. I found a spiritual mentor at the age of 16 who helped me just be in touch with my faith and my body. And then I went on a split myself into two personalities for a while. And it was, Mm -hmm. like, the good girl and the bad girl, right? (laughs) So good girl was performing really well in school and the top of her class and earning all the awards and doing all the things and the bad girl would go stay stay at her boyfriend's house who was like the bad boy in school and explore sexuality and it mm. was beautiful and fun it also felt very like disjointed for me mm. and it was this internal battle all the time of like but I feel so good when I am just relaxed and get to explore what I desire mm. and I feel so bad when I go back to their world so how do I balance that and that took me on a crazy journey that would take a full hour, but in short, it was like I ran off and fell in love in Europe to a baron, <laughs> and we had a like fairy tale romance, and then I had my heart broken when I discovered he had um, seasonal depression that was very, very oh. real, and it ended our relationship. 
And then I decided to run off to Boston and manage a youth hostel, which is like an all-you-can-eat sex buffet. I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. And that, would, that, that chapter alone has hundreds of stories in it, probably. And then from there, I decided it was time to grow up and be a mature adult, so I applied to business school, went to the world's number one in, inter, international business school, and got my degree, my MBA there. And during that time, I was also looking for ways to pay for this degree, and mm -hmm. I looked at all sorts of things and discovered um, like sugar daddy websites mm -hmm. and millionairematch.com, and I was very clear that I won't put out. Like I would maybe kiss if it felt good, maybe something else, but I'm not there to put out, especially on the first date, but mm -hmm. I do love a good date. And I love a great dinner. And I went on epic dinners with amazing people all over the world. Was proposed to several times. Oh, and, on first dates? Uh, within the first two to three dates. Oh my God. And also didn't see a lot of people after that because I wasn't putting out. Right. And so it was like this strange thing. And around that time, I met someone who said, why are you doing this? He's like, you could be making money without ever having to take your clothes off. And you'd still keep getting these dates and people's attention. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, why don't you become a pro-dom? I'm like, what ah, is that? New doors opening. New doors. And I said, this sounds interesting. And he made a beautiful proposition to me and said, well, what if I could work with you for three months? And for three months, you are going to... Uh, study what it's like to be a pro-dom. You'll shadow pro-doms, you'll read books, you'll watch videos. I'll come to your house and I'll bring you dinner and I will decorate your apartment and I'll pay you on top of that for your time to study. And then if you ever want to practice, you'll practice with me. But there's no pressure to. It's and a good deal he's offering. It was amazing. And so for three months I studied kink BDSM, how to be a pro-dom, and the ways that he really desired to be domed were not my ways mm. that I would later discover. And so it, it was very interesting, it was fun, I learned a lot, had crazy experiences, and then was like, I can't, this isn't me. So I let that go, finished my degree, got an amazing job at Amazon.com doing leadership development, and your range is crazy <laughs> like you go from one side to the other it's the all spectrum, over. back and forth it's all over so as this is interweaving I also am like struggling with my sexuality still of like how can I be this successful person when I feel like I've got all this shame and guilt and secrets I'm hiding in the background mm -hmm. and um, and I also was just realizing that I love being with more than one person at once and that feels really good to me so and I kept noticing I almost always have two people, like one person that I'm really engaged with, another person that I really want to be engaged with, but I can't figure out how to make that work. And so I just, some really dramatic stuff happened, and I decided that the only thing that I can find in my framework of growing up is that either I'm normal or I'm a sex addict. So I decided I was a sex addict. Mm. I must be a sex addict. I put myself back into Christian counseling. I started attending 12-step programs really was trying to like fix myself. Were you pressured by family or like a partner or was it something you fully checked in by yourself? Uh, the narcissist that I was, that I had been abused by at the time made mm. it very clear that's what I was okay. and I fully believed it and it was the only abusive relationship that I was ever in and it was terrible and I couldn't see it at the time and so I believed it, I put myself through all this and, and I, because of my upbringing it made a lot of sense. I was like well of course I am something must be wrong with me. Yeah. And, and so in this process, 
I ended up meeting someone amazing who changed my life and he said, Sunshine, you're not a sex addict, you, you just love love. And here, why don't you read this book? It's called The Ethical Slut. And when I read that, it was just like, poof, doors opened and my, my whole world exploded. And I'm like, oh, this is, there are people out there like me. So I then shortly moved, shortly thereafter that, I moved to Seattle to work in corporate um, for Amazon. And Seattle is one of the big sex positive centers of the world. And I went to the Center for Sex Positive Culture that was there. And I went to a polyamorous workshop. And that's where I met my first po official poly partner. We were together for uh, over five years. It was amazing. Um, he's the contributing author of my book and relationship <laughs> agreements. It was phenomenal. And I just started opening up to finding community and asking good questions. At the time, relationship agreements and actually coming to like, how do we create something that clearly reflects who we are and what our agreements are, wasn't really a thing yet. Like now it's all over, it's on TV shows and people it's reference it trendy. everywhere. It's very trendy. By the time, this was our idea for the most part. We met like two other couples and we did a lot of research. Like, does anybody do this? Like, show me what you've done. And it's like some very experienced polyamorous couples from like the 70s, they were doing this. Mm -hmm. But you had to find it. And even the ones we found were more like legal, legal contractory, like very official. So I remember the first one we decided to make, we pretty much just cut and paste and it was like a legal document I'm like you shall thou shall not do this right and <laughs> again my Christian upbringing and my dad being a lawyer was like boom this is so good <laughs> proposition of terms yes very clear cut and then life comes in and you're like that's not helpful and that's not reflective of who we are and I don't want to feel trapped in this so how do we create something that is more like a living document that reflects who we are as we change in our relationships and our desires and what we want in life so we started figuring that out and we started teaching workshops and eventually the workshops evolved into this book and so we put it out into the world so that people could start figuring out how do you create your own relationship agreements. And this is a fast forwarded version. So then, <laughs> and then somewhere along the way I met my husband Jamin and when we met he was in a monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, with another man and oh. I and remember I'm pansexual so I like all humans mm -hmm. and I was polysaturated at the time and so I had uh, five partners at the time and all equally primary yeah, okay. uh, almost all equal well there's one prime there's I was, we don't use at the time mm -hmm. we didn't use the word primary okay. there's one person who was getting more of my time and energy mm -hmm. and that was Adam who was the author mm -hmm. uh, this book too and so then everyone else was different forms of connection that really fed what I was looking for. And I loved it and it felt great. And there was no room for anyone else. So when mm -hmm. Jamin came into the picture, I don't think either of us was looking for a partnership. Mm -hmm. Instead, it was this beautiful, nurturing friendship that developed. And we did this activity called Nurture Dance where we held each other like babies on our first time like ever hanging out. And it was oh. so beautiful. Several months later, I we're still friends. Remember, I'm thinking that my friend is a nice bisexual gay man in a monogamous relationship, and I had this really clear, like, download that I'm supposed to have his baby. So oh. I get on a phone call with him. I'm sitting outside <laughs> my other partner of three years, my dom, my dom's house in his driveway, and I'm on the call with Jamin, and I said, this is going to sound really crazy, but I think I'm supposed to have your baby. And I, so if you ever need a surrogate, let me know. 
Wow, that's quite a phone call. Quite, quite a phone call. I don't think either of us expected it. And then fast forward and here we are married for seven years with two children Ooh. and oh. so much, you never know what's going to shift. Oh my God, that's like the most yeah. interesting how I met your mother's story ever. Yeah. <laughs> that is, oh my God, I'm going to take a minute to process that. How did he take the phone call? Like, was he just like, oh yeah, that makes sense? Or was he, yeah, like, he was like, you're crazy? Whoa. No, he was like, wow, what a incredible gift that this woman is offering me and he, he and I both knew since we were like young that our purpose on this planet was like a huge purpose for both of us was to become parents and mm. so he had a plan that if he didn't have a partner by 35 he was going to be a single dad so so, so you had already discussed that that was something he really also wanted. desired yeah we both okay. knew that we wanted to like we definitely wanted to be parents we both had felt called our whole lives this is important mm -hmm. to us and do you know how he wanted to become a single dad was it like through surrogacy or adoption or uh he was going to have his sperm frozen and i don't know what he was going to do with it but mm -hmm. that was his plan at the time um so well. yeah and do you know did his the partner he had at the time did they also want kids was that something they were going to plan to do together or was he like i'm doing this with or without anyone like he, he knew he was going to do it with or without anyone, mm -hmm. but I think he was seeing where things were going to go in that relationship. If, like, it wasn't to that level of that discussion yet. Yeah. It was more of a, hey, that's cool that this woman I just met a few months ago is willing to have my baby. That's uh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> He's like, I will put that in my notes. Yes. <laughs> so what happened then in that transition from you having like five other lovers and partners to mm -hmm. seeing this one person, and was it like kind of you shifted everything out or was it gradual or did you guys like run off together like how did that yeah things just change. naturally found a way where, where things just weren't lining the with everyone else the way we wanted to mm. um one of my partners had developed cancer and i had lived with him to help him oh. go through that whole situation and and it really shifted the, the dynamic between us and i no longer felt like um it had been a power dynamic, and it no longer yeah. felt like a power dynamic. It felt like just a really loving, close, mm -hmm. special something, but no longer the sexual or, or kinky dynamic that dynamic that I had been. And so that that yeah, I think everything just shifted over time. And as the cards fell, it was like Jamin and I just felt really close. And within six weeks of knowing each other, we're brushing our teeth in the bathroom, and and he just looks at me and goes, "I'm gonna marry you." <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, okay then. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, uh, so this is called new relationship energy. Yeah, and that limerence is strong. Exactly, and it's gonna wear off in about six months. And so let's talk then. And pretty much six months, the minute he proposed to me. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah, and it was amazing. And I was. How did he propose? In. We have proposed many times. We're Ooh. weird. We're really weird. The official big proposal was in Belgium. He was doing a TED talk there, and uh, we were walking through this through the city. And he remembered a decade earlier he'd been studying there, traveling through there, and he remembered this beautiful place, thinking, "I want to propose to my future wife here." And then here we are in this trip, and he remembered how to get there. And we're walking through the streets late at night, and he found the spot, and he proposes to me. And right at that, at that time, somebody starts playing a saxophone. It, oh, it wow. was so crazy. <laughs> it was beautiful. But it's been a it's been a series of engagements. It hasn't just mm -hmm. been a, hey, will you marry me? It's been a, first, it's a journey. So how I'm going to invite you into a deeper level of intimacy with me. And for, that me, for me, that meant I want you to learn these parenting tools because they're really important to how, how we're going to be parents together. Wow. And I want you to meet my family. 
And for him, it was, I want to know about your finances, finances in a very vulnerable way. Cause I kept all that really close to my heart and like, I don't tell anybody my finances. Mm-hmm. And so that cause it'd been used against me in a very, um, unhealthy way growing up. And so for me, that was a big deal to expose myself so vulnerably and also meeting his family. And so it was like levels of getting more de- deeper and deeper and deeper, mm-hmm. which was really cool. I don't even know where to go. I have so many questions. I feel like we need episode like one um, through yeah. five. Like, I just, Fuck each period of your life. I yeah. know. <laughs> like just the fact that you so casually like, oh, I had five partners and it was great. And then I met a gay bisexual man one of his baby. Now we're engaged. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Let me tell you now where we are. Okay, yeah. So cool. what, is, what is your current relationship yeah. agreement container? Yeah. Where so Jamie and I practice conscious relating. Okay. And for us, that means that there, our commitment to each other is not till death do us part. It is very much as long as we're serving each other's highest good and we're growing mm-hmm. together. And that has taken many different forms. So at some points in time, we've been monogamous. Sometimes I've been momogamish, where I just wanted to be focused on being a mom. Mm. Or um, a full-time job in itself. Full-time job, yes. Especially when they were younger. We had two kids under two, and we were traveling the world on speaking tours. We were in a new city or a country every five to seven days. That's exhausting. Yeah, it was crazy. And we did that for a while. We had a YouTube channel, and we were known as the life of and family, where you can have it all. You can have amazing careers and like travel and before. have kids and and have meaningful individual lives mm-hmm. and so we were doing all of this and we just found that we needed different things we have different erratic blueprints and we have different styles of communicating and what we need for our processing and so it's taken on many different forms but our commitment is also to keep our foundation solid so in the world of polyamory people talk about hierarchy and is it good or bad or whatever and we do have, when I look at it, we've chosen a primary structure where we are focused on our family first, and we check in and say, what do you need to feel free and safe to be yourself? Whatever that is. How can you be authentically you? How can I support you in that? And how can you support me in that? And that has been the thing, that's the thing that I teach now. Like, that is relearn love. That is how you get to be yourself and still be loved for who you are and still love your partner for who they are. And so that has taken so many different forms. And sometimes he's more slutty. Sometimes I'm more slutty. Sometimes uh, he's been celibate for a period. I've been celibate for a period. Like, we never know what it's going to take. But we get to be curious and explore that together and create what feels most magical for us in that time. You're like a fairy who's going to bring world peace. (laughs) Oh, my God. So just for our listeners, how long have you guys been together now? Over seven years. Seven years. Yep. Tonight is our seventh wedding. Yes, I wanted to ask about that. So you get remarried every year. Is it a renegotiation of terms? Like, why? Is it just fun? Like, what what is the thinking behind wanting to redo it every year? Which I think is lovely. It's kind of what we've explained we're going to do. Yeah. No one, they think we're crazy. But now you're doing it, so It's so good. I highly recommend it. (laughs) Um, So the first wedding was absolutely beautiful and we created just our own ceremony in the out in Santa Fe in the mountains in the high desert and it was pulling on Native American traditions and some Hindu traditions and some Christian traditions and just we created some Celtic traditions so it's just pulling in everything and making something special for us and then Jamin had always thought wouldn't it be amazing to get married every year but we hadn't really made a plan mm-hmm. well the next year comes and the first year we didn't get legally married, we didn't really 
see a reason in getting the government involved in our love. And, and so that happened. Second year, we decide, oh, we're going to start traveling with kids. It would actually probably be a lot easier if we all had the same last name, the same, like, everything is connected. So we got married on a ferry boat outside of Seattle wearing fake fur animal <laughs> costumes. There you go. Big fuzzy slippers, and my sister is an officiant, so she married us and wow, had cool. two of our best friends there with us to witness. It That's was so awesome. fun. Next year comes, and we're invited to a wedding for Jamin's side of the family. And in the Hindu tradition, the closest cousin brother is who's married is supposed to get remarried and, and then give the blessing to the new bride and groom. I've never heard of that. Yes. That's really cool. So Jamin was that person. So he and I had our own Hindu wedding ceremony. Third time's the charm. Third time's the charm. And so here we are, really in it. And then we blessed the other couple. And like, this is so great. Let's keep getting married. And so then we got more intentional with, it's not every anniversary. It's sometime in the calendar year when it feels right. We're going mm. to do this ceremony to recommit ourselves and bring our community in in whatever way feels right. And so one time we eloped to Uluwatu. And another oh, it's a beautiful island. Yeah. <laughs> and another time we... Um, Let's see. Last year was very different. So, Han, the fifth time was amazing. So, the well, all of them were amazing. But the fifth time, I wanted to surprise Jamin. So, his birthday is uh, October 13th. And so, I, and it's very hard to surprise this man. <laughs> so, I just said, hey, I want to take you on a birthday adventure. Can you block off this whole week? He said, yes. In the background, I spent months organizing a full-on mm. Balinese wedding. And, wow. yeah, full-on costumes, attire, everything. Um, food, catered, DJs, and a huge tropical resort. It was, like, amazing. So he doesn't know this. We go on our family vacation, and we pull up out front of this place. It's got the big wedding gates they do in Bali. And mm. and we pull up, and I got out, and I got down on a knee, and I proposed. Oh. Will you marry me today? And he started crying. And we walk inside, and, and it's just like, here's your costume that they're going to wear for everything, for the ceremony. Oh, and by the way, 65 of our closest friends are showing up. Jeez, how did you pull that off without anyone slipping the secret? Only one person slipped, and it was somebody I didn't know. It was like the plus one of a friend. Oh, my God. I, I almost killed him. Like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Sorry. And now we're friends, and he's coming <laughs> And he's coming to this year's wedding. <laughs> so we joke a lot. Do you know so, how many people are going to be there tonight? Tonight we are keeping it to 50. So it's still huge. Yeah. Wow. As you can get 50 people all the way out here to LA, considering how crazy the state of the world is right now with traveling, yeah. or you just know this many people in the area who like. Well, we come know and lots of people. You. Yeah. 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 It's it's more of a massive. how do we how do we keep it smaller than like yeah I think we could throw a festival if we wanted to. Yeah, a small 50 people. <laughs> Wedding. Oh my god, yeah. what are the chances that the first time we actually get to meet you are on, on the wedding one, one of your weddings? Hey. Congratulations. And so tonight is going to be actually Islamic, Islamic faith inspired. And we've okay. invited some of our closest Islamic friends to come and, and show like what are, what are some traditions that we could incorporate that are meaningful and also honoring the faith. And um, so I'm really excited. It'll be my first time wearing a dress like this. and. Um, yeah, and some of the, the songs that are going to be performed tonight and sung as a community are going to be just, yeah, I'm excited. Are your wow. kids normally a part of the ceremony in yeah. some way? Yes, yes they are. Oh, so, little ring bearers or flower throwers or something? We, we I'm going to say we, but usually it's Jamin. Jamin loves matching outfits. 
loves them. So this is the guy, he's a hopeless romantic, and I love it, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> this is the guy where he will wait to see what I'm wearing, and then he'll run off to go to his closet, and he'll come out wearing a matching outfit. And That's adorable. It's really adorable. <laughs> That's so adorable. Yesterday was his birthday, and as a surprise, I got him, we all have now matching shirts that say what his whole being, his big phrase is, everything is possible. So the shirt says, everything is possible, and then we don't have matching wedding rings. We have matching tattoos. And oh, so the logo is here oh. on the shirts, and it's this big ampersand infinity sign. So it's that life of and. You can have it all. You can be it all. You can have everything you want. And we get to continue to choose this forever. And so the shirts all say, everything is possible, this big ampersand infinity sign on it. Wow. And so for the kids being involved in the wedding, we all have matching outfits. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. How have your parents felt about all of your adventures and awakenings and it's so different than what they chose but they also seem so like open and supportive of you like does your community back home get it or do you just not tell certain people like how does that work out for both Jamin and I mm -hmm. at different points in time we were disowned by our families for our choices and I wouldn't even say our families we were disowned by our, our parents mm -hmm. and specifically for Jamin is by his mother and specifically for me it was by both my parents for me it was around the age of 30 during my big Saturn return. I started a year-long trip around the world coaching and speaking and I got called to do ayahuasca in the Sacred Valley of Peru and mm -hmm. it was amazing, an amazing experience and through that I was like, you need to come out about everything. You need to tell your parents everything. So Just All at once? Yeah, so I took three months to write a letter and had everybody read it and then I tried to be as respectful as possible, and I sent them a letter saying there's an attachment that will probably be very triggering. Please read it when you're feeling really connected to each other and you have support in your community, and then I'm here if you want to talk about it. And it was just too much. They didn't take it well. They did not take it well. And mm -hmm. luckily, I was prepared, and I had an amazing therapist, and I had family who are actually family therapists who mm -hmm. were all like, okay, let's talk about family triangulation. Let's talk about how you can prepare yourself and what you can say and how you can like really be gentle yeah. in this journey with yourself. And it was beautiful and it was hard. It was mm -hmm. really hard to feel like I lost some of my closest friends and mentors. Mm -hmm. And, and do, do you feel that same way now or have you come to terms with things as time has gone on? You know, time heals a lot and boundaries are really important, especially in family dynamics that are not healthy. And mm -hmm. so I've, I was just very clear on I'm here and the door is open to get to know each other, but religion, sex, and politics are off the table. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. And, and, and it works better that way if you just don't? It works better that way because yeah. neither of us is open to having our minds being convinced of something right now. Yeah. And maybe someday when we actually feel safe to be vulnerable, then we could have those conversations. But right now, it's, it's a, they would be used for manipulation, not for vulnerability and connection. Yeah. Right? And having grandchildren also softens things. Mm, and sure. so, yeah, so for us, my parents are incredible, incredible grandparents. And so when we do travel to see them, they are just amazing. And they have so much love. And they have so much love for me, and they love Jamin. And it's all there, and it's fine. But we, we it's going to remain surface level until a shift happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And slowly, slowly that's being built. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But your your preparedness story is amazing. How 
right? Because sometimes, like, couples, like, you guys will write to me and be like, oh, you know, we decided to tell our family this weekend that, you know, we're swingers, and, like, shit blows up. Yeah. And I'm like, where was the backup plan? Like, the fact that you yeah. wrote the letter, told people what it was going to be, had your support system in place, like, that's an amazing level of, like, forethought yeah. to help manage the storm, like... Yeah, well, thank you. Well, for you. Oh, my thank God. You. And for them, this is a hard thing. I knew it was going to be hard for them. Yeah. Right? And I knew they would feel like they failed as parents. And that's, mm. as a parent myself, I'm like, oh, can I really love my children no matter what they choose? Yeah. Right? Can, can I ask, what do you think was like, I, I don't know for his parents if it was the same thing, but that was the most tricking part, like, by the way, my marriage isn't monogamous, or by the way, I've slept with women, like... At the time when I came out, it was all sort it was it was everything. But I think it was... By the way, I'm not a good Christian, uh, which is that huge. That was the biggest one for them. Probably, think? I think, because I mean, really, they they want me to go to heaven. They want right. me to have an eternal life with them, and that's so important. And I see that, and I don't want to. And that was a stab in the heart, right? And mm. do you consider yourself Christian at all now, or? I consider myself spiritual, and I really like. I still pray to God every day, or, but now it's a bit more. It's less focused on one specific label. And more on like, hey, the bigger love, the bigger power that's yeah. around us is important. And it's a huge part of my life. And it takes many different names. And I don't think yeah. one is bad. Like, we take our kids to church. We take our kids to synagogue. We take our ch- kids to a mosque, right? We want them exposed to there's yeah. lots of belief systems. Amazing. Yeah. They're going to be so well-rounded. They're going to have yeah. like the most interesting, diverse group of opinions going up. That was one question I had. I mean, it, it's actually later down the line of questions, but I'm going for it. At what age are you going to, or do you ever plan on, like, explaining to them? I mean, I think you will because you're so open, but, like, do they meet your lovers? Are they old enough to understand? I'm not actually sure how old the, the kids are, but, like, how do you yeah, so manage that whole... There, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do parenting. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all going to screw up our kids. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I think accepting that and just, there's a really amazing book called The... Um, Gardener and the Carpenter that talks about how we're really here to plant the seeds and help water the garden and make sure they get as much sunlight as possible. But if we were trying to shape them and mold them into something, it's that's just not how human behavior works. So mm. for us, when it comes to relationshiping, what is the underlying value? The underlying value for us is love. And that love is bigger, is too big, not too big, it's bigger than most of us think. And that we don't have to keep limiting it and putting labels on it and squishing it down and holding it in. It's like, how do you just live from a place of love? And so it's important for us that they see us um, connecting. Like, we'll cuddle on the couch with our community members. And mm. it's like, touch is okay. We do massage every night so they you know, can be in their bodies and integrate like body, mind, and soul. How do we bring those elements mm. in? And at their ages, no, they're not old enough to understand, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's more of the pressure we put on ourselves. So for us, it's, yeah, they see us around our, if we have other partners, they see us around those other partners many times, but we don't expose a lot right now. And okay. as they get older, yeah, we're going to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And we already talk very openly that mommy's had girlfriends and daddy's had boyfriends. And, okay. Right? And that, that you can have... So cool. much love, yeah. And, you know, we have we are combating some stories already coming in from just being around their friends and what they're seeing. Yeah. And, you know, this is what boys do and this is what girls do. I'm like, you can, how do you feel today? Do you feel more like a boy? Do you feel more like a girl? What do you desire? Oh, okay, cool. How can we find a way for you to explore what you want instead of thinking that's how you have to do it? Yeah. And so it's more of how do you instill these values of being curious 
and being open and feeling safe that whatever you desire is okay to desire and there are healthy ways of getting that met. Mm. I feel like that's one of the main, not, I mean, I would say concerns I have is that when we have our family, which we're planning to have in like three or four years, have our first kid, is that I can do all the explaining and boundary setting and trying to protect them, but as soon as they go to school, and they go, oh, my parents do this. You know, oh, daddy's had a boyfriend. And then this, the kids' reactions that, you know, they'll hear things that you can never prepare them for and the judgments from other people who don't understand. And you're like, oh, just yeah. like how, trying how to equip that? them for that. How, how do you prepare them for that? Or uh, do you just let it just happen? So I, I think it's a combination. One, there's only so much sheltering you can do. And, mm. and exposure to real life is important. But I think at the right times, whenever possible. So for us, we really are focused on finding community that's like-minded. Mm. And that could be around health and food. You know, we eat a pretty clean diet now, and um, we don't do screen time very much. We're, we're, now that they're over the age of seven, that's shifting. But we didn't do sugar for the first six years of their lives. Wow, that's impressive. Refined wow. with sugar. So we yeah. do it like honey, things okay. like that, honey and maple syrup, so yeah. to sweeten things. But... That alone is so hard to combat. I'm trying to do that right now, and it's... It's so hard. Oh. It's oh. so hard, but the, before the age of six, the blood-brain barrier isn't there, so mm. it's going... Saturates the drug everything. is just going straight up to their brain, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and screens, they just can't, from a developmental perspective, they can't understand that that's not actually happening right there. If they mm -hmm. see the marshmallow on TV, they think the marshmallow is actually there, right? And so, it's difficult. So, for us, it was more of, let's wait till they're developmentally ready and then we can expose them to these things and we make it more of an experience. So every Thursday, my children have this amazing class all around how to learn stunts and do parkour type stuff. And Sounds epic. It's epic. They <laughs> love it. It's the only thing they do consistently with passion and wow. like, as in terms of going to like a class or something. Mm -hmm. And so on stunts day, we also have our new experience of a sweet thing together. And so oh. we went to the store and picked out bubble gum. That was crunchy bubble gum. And it was like, it's not just like, oh, I want gum and I put it in my mouth and it's like, I continue with my day. Experience. It becomes an experience. We all share together. We talk about it. And we pull out the gum from our mouth and we stretch it and we make art out of it. And it's like, it's something meaningful, not just a passing, I do this every day mindlessly. Yeah. So how do we bring that consciousness into their lives now? Because guess what? When they grow up and they want to be in relationships, how do you bring in that consciousness? So mm -hmm. you're like, is this actually working for me right now? Or is it not? Is this serving right. us? Have we changed? Have we not changed? Oh, Where are like we at? teaching them to really like sit with things instead of just kind of stacking all these experiences and, and just pushing through. That's going to be an amazing skill set to have from yeah. such an early age to like, I'm tasting the food. How does it make me feel? Where does it come from? Why am I doing it? Like all those questions that I feel like a lot of people never ask yeah. themselves about anything. Yeah. Like the kind of desensitized way that we do a lot of stuff. Oh my God. So now that I know most of your life story the second question I normally ask people is have you ever had a threesome <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the actual question I'd have for you is do you remember when your first one was that you yeah in any combination like how, how was that coming from your background of feeling guilty or shameful and then you all of a sudden had two lovers or two partners in an interaction like was it a positive experience was yeah it? yeah so I think um yes I've had a threesome <laughs> yes a couple of times possibly <laughs> and, and more um and the first the reason that I can remember having I I honestly can't recall if it was before or after the fivesome 
<laughs> so, but the threesome is important because the the fivesome was like a, a really beautiful gift for my birthday that a bunch of my close friends surprised me with. And they were like, have you ever had a quote unquote Puerto Rican massage? I'm like, what's a Puerto Rican <laughs> massage, little naive girl? Uh, and they later showed me and it was amazing and super fun. It was me and a bunch of guys and it was beautiful because we were already close and and we just had a lot of fun was it including a primary partner was, it's just was me it receiving of... oh, okay it was great i You're fully like, I recommend of puerto rican massages if this is a thing i've not had another one like that but i would take another one like that okay <laughs> so it was a planned birthday present have you tried to recreate that ever or i have not no. uh, i feel like this should be something on my bucket list of go back and recreate this um, but one of the people involved in that, he wanted to, he invited me into a threesome. We had gone to a party we knew was going to be a very sexual party by the night, and we were checking in about who do we like, and he and I had been seeing each other for a while, a little while, mm -hmm. and we both fell for this same woman, and we were like, oh, that'd be cool. And Her. <laughs> yeah. And I, I gave him, like, yes, you have my thumbs up, we can do this. And so we both kind of gently poached her together, <laughs> and it was really fun. And it was really fun to like be in communication and choose someone. And then we had this amazing night where it was at the party. So I, I remember there being two other couples doing stuff at different parts of the room. And just watching that happen was so beautiful. And watching like their intimacy and how they make love. And then for us, we were in this super hot, like, oh my gosh, like fantasy worthy threesome happening on our bed. And I loved every minute of it until the end. And then the end happened, and I realized, we've, I've never done this. I don't know what happens now. And uh -huh. the porn shuts off at this point in the story. They don't talk about the aftercare, the aftercare. The cleanup and the emotional. And the emotional stuff. And, like, yeah. I'm, I'm the girl that has been being dated, courted by this man. You, you're not. Why are you still in this bed? <laughs> right. And now leave, please. Yeah. Right. And, and it was like, how do you do that? And... And then judging him for, oh, he's giving her more attention than to me. Oh, which way are we turning our bodies to cuddle afterwards? When are people leaving? Mm -hmm. you know, is there any check-in? And at this time, point in time, I had none of this awareness, right? And so we didn't talk through it beforehand. And now that I have way more experience, this is stuff we talk about beforehand. Like what are our hopes, desires, fears, boundaries, and intentions? Like yeah. About everything, about how we meet beforehand, how the experience might be. And then aftercare, what, what do we each need? We do that like a week in advance if possible. And then the day of, we do the same talk again. A week in advance. It's great when you can plan and yeah. not always plannable. And mm. then in the moment, what do you both, what do you all want, whoever's involved? And, you know, for me, it's really important that the day after, we all have a check-in text or call and are like, okay, now you slept on it. What was that like? Well, you're what amazing. What would you change? What would you keep the same? Would you do it again? Like, like yeah. you know, what's there? Steps for improvement. Yeah. And, and just making sure that we get to process whatever came up in our hearts because it's so taboo. And mm -hmm. it's so, there aren't, there now are great guides out there, right? And there are podcasts. You can like your like book. Well, <laughs> my book is not on threesomes. <laughs> but, but the tools inside will help with threesomes. Mm. And moresomes, so. Threesomes, moresomes, all of the sums. Yeah, all the sums. Yeah. No, I feel like you're definitely more on the end of the spectrum that I aspire to be. Like, key is very much for super spontaneous like he wants to be at a party and we just see a girl and he's like let's do it right now and I'm like I don't know her name I don't know if she's clean I don't know what she wants like does she have a partner oh Jesus and like it's happened a couple of times and thank god like I've always been able to like 
sorted out really quickly like while we're in the car on the way home being like hey babe so questions you got like 10 minutes can you answer all of this in time like trying to panic yeah but he's so drawn to those like spur of the moment like we're a burning man let's just and I'm like god if I have a week to plan and like set the space and like take a shower and like get ready oh that's that'd be my vibe so so most of the time that's what I like Mm -hmm. but Lily did this amazing job at Birdie Man of making this spontaneous moment happen. It was, like, honestly one of the best experiences we've ever had. Wow. Yeah, it was the best threesome we've ever had, which we will make an entire episode about because I know you guys wanted to know about Birdie Man and, and the Orgy Dome and the whole revisiting of things. But, yeah, yeah this was a special, special one. It was very I'm curious what shifted for you. Um, at this particular Burning Man? Yeah, or in that moment. Like, why um, was... Everything at that moment, right. she, yeah, she was the most fuck yes person mm. we've ever encountered mm. and the first ever person who approached us and had apparently followed us on social media for, like, five mm. years and, like, sought us out and was like, you, I know who you are. I've wanted to fuck you for years. Where's your partner? Uh. I, know, I know how you built your house. I know where you live. I know your family. I know what you eat every day. Like, everything about you I love and I want completely. Like, let's go. And I was like... Oh my god, what do I, how do I? So you guys have a stalker fetish. (laughs) (laughs) But she was so hot. We were both uh, in a place of like fuck yeses as well. And like it just, yeah, she was just that person. We were like, oh, this is amazing. This is like exactly how it should be. There was no like hesitation. No convincing. Don't need to like try and handhold and. It was like. She she knew our value. She realized that we saw her value immediately. It was just like. It was just juicy. And I think also, like, being in a place where you're not entirely sober all the time, things just feel really fucking good. (laughs) And we've also had, like, a really rough year and not a lot of, like, friends or partnerships around for, like, other business and personal things we've been dealing with. So that was literally the first time that, like, Mm. both of us felt good in that, like, capacity in over a year yeah where it was like oh right it, it can feel this good yeah like even just the sex can feel this good like that reminder of things was it was much needed yeah. and both of our confidence like the next day we were like yeah we're so cool not just the next day like even until now it's been like two months or something and I feel like that was like a key turning moment for me where I'd been in a really low place and it just gave me so much confidence and faith in myself and like leading up to that point I was like really struggling to speak and socialize with people at Burning Man and then after that, I just felt like so free, and it's just been like an upward hill, or up, I don't know, that sounds bad, an upward <laughs> hill. I just feel like I'm on a fucking elevator going like all the way up, and like, you know, just like becoming more of who I want to become every single day, you know? I and love it. And it started at that moment, you know? Yeah, yeah I feel like your hormones changed. Like, like all the girls in our camp, like all these hot oh. girls that we've been like trying to talk to, and then as soon as we had that experience with this girl, everyone in camp wanted to talk to him, like his swagger was back, like these people Sweet were just approaching him. It's like girls could like smell like these pheromones and they're like I want some of that like it was just it was much needed and she might be flying out to visit us for our birthdays which will be fun flying out from Europe she's like I'll buy a ticket I need to see you guys I'm like oh my gosh she said it was the best part of her Burning Man it was the best part of ours it was such an honor as well because Burning Man is like yeah, filled epic. with the most amazing yeah. experiences you've ever had, and then for someone to like say that and give that honor to you, it's like huge. you were the best part. Oh man, I feel like she so, was so wow. freaky. So she was freaking all the ways I'm freaky. And wow. honestly, we feel the same way, but we haven't told. Do you guys keep like, like a testimonial of people you've slept with? Uh, like, I should. I mean, she gets a five stars. <laughs> she gets a good trip advisor review. I don't know. She, yeah, we're, we talk all the time too. We're like sending voice messages, and she's like showing us this horribly ugly cute cat that she's house sitting for right now very smushed face but <laughs> no she's I think we're gonna be friends with her for a long time it was just a very so. different experience for mm. us than like meeting someone on tinder because we tend to meet a lot of like brand new or like kind of confused younger girls we're like yeah. 
I don't know what I want. I don't know how to do this. Who are you? Should I be? And I'm yeah. just like, fuck, I don't want to convince you this is what you want. Like, you either do or you don't. Yeah. And I feel like we provide so much value. So the fact that she wanted it so clearly, I was like, oh, I feel so seen. Yeah. I love you, too. <laughs> so she was great. So your, yeah, no, that threesome was a vibe. And very spontaneous. Yeah. yeah. And you think you might have had your fivesome before you had a threesome. Um, this is a usual question I ask. Do you have a number in your head of, like, whatever the biggest, like, group play was? And did you like it? Like, if you've been to, like, I don't know, orgies or larger play parties, did that, that feel like a, a good experience I've, for you or overwhelming? I've or? been to so many sex parties and orgies and things, and it's, it, I, I really just don't think there's a right or wrong way to do things as long as people are consenting. Mm-hmm. But it's not my, like, I, okay, I'm an exhibitionist, and mm-hmm. so I love being on stage. Um, and at the same time, it, ha- it has to be for very specific things, and I need to know that the people around me get it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, one of the things I have historically just loved is kink and BDSM. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a dom that I, that I adore, and, um, and he and I did a lot of erotic hypnosis. Wow. And Ooh. so, oh, so Never good. Heard of this. You know, so, whole other podcast. It's a thing. It's okay. a thing. And there's even like whole conferences on it. So it's great. Um, but he, with my consent, he, he gave me this planted a seed where every time I hear a countdown from 10 to 0, and then when I hit 0, I can orgasm. And Only when he does it or when anyone? No, we've given it to specific people. Okay. So two people have it. No, I gave it to three. So I. <laughs> Two people had it originally, and then I gifted it, and they let me know that I could gift it to somebody. At any point in time, I can stop it from happening if it doesn't feel safe. Mm. Right? So it's not like I'm forced to do something I don't want to do. Mm. I always am in control, and it's nice to not be in control sometimes. Mm-hmm. So for this event, I was like suspended by my hair in front of an, an entire room of oh. people doing things and had like a vibrator on, and, and then he announces the entire room, they were going to celebrate New Year's early this year. Oh, God. And we're going to do a ball drop. <laughs> Countdown. <laughs> and everybody around, like, this is our community, right? So everybody yeah. knows, like, okay, whatever they're doing is great, and it's consensual, and let's mm-hmm. all turn. So everybody in the room turned their attention to watch, and everybody did a countdown together. And he had organized it ahead of time, so it wasn't interrupting anyone else's scenes. Yeah. And uh, to have, like, so many people doing a countdown and the whole situation, I just exploded. It was one of the most incredible things ever. I don't even know how I got to the story. But... <laughs> uh, group, group play Group things. play. I like group play. However, when I'm doing group play, I like it to be more focused on, like, who am I actually interacting with? Mm-hmm. I want to really know those people and have talked ahead of time because I want to relax into the situation. Yeah. So it's not like going to, like, some club in Europe where people are just kind of sloppy fucking everywhere, but you want to, like, be yeah, in a more like sloppy conscious fucking. community of, like, yeah. a very safe container. Yeah. Like, I will do crazy shit with people around, but I don't want anybody touching me without my consent. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to be interrupted halfway through to have somebody join. Yeah. Excuse so. me, can I join you? Like, fuck off. Yeah. I'm busy. Yeah. Like, I've had that happen where there's, you know, like, something exciting has happened, and I feel a, a mystery hand on my ankle or something, and I'm like, Whoa. Mm-hmm. And it just kills the vibe. You're mm-hmm. like, this no longer feels safe for me or for anybody else who's involved. So how do we all be on the same page? And and I like to pre-program signals with my people I'm playing with. Mm-hmm. So I let people know, like, okay, well, if I triple squeeze your arm, it means that I'm sending you affection and everything is great. 
but if I do like a really tight squeeze really hard and just hold for a second, something's not okay and I can't use my words right now and everything mm -hmm. needs to stop, right? So it's my safe signal, like a safe word, but sometimes I can't use my voice. So yeah. when that happens, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And that takes preparation and communication. Yeah. Codes are like one of my favorite things. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I love finding like what certain people's codes are. Like we just had an episode, I think it was Jenna's episode, if you guys are listening, it was like two back where she talked about when she's in like sexual situations, she has like a moaning chart where like low moans, I forget which one it was, but yeah. like that high pitch moans mean like red light and then like low moans are like green light and yeah. you can like kind of guide your partner with like the rhythmic speed that you want. I was like, uh -huh. that's brilliant. Like you got a chart going on. And then for <laughs> us, I feel like we have like basic sign language because I know sign language. So he has like the best basic like yes, no, maybes and like double tap is always like flip over or like move uh -huh. and you can kind of ask me things, but that's a good one too. Just like, and having that agreement with everyone because I feel like normally it's only between us to like manage the unicorn and she has no idea, which is why we're like trying to do it behind her back. I'm like, go that way, yeah. flip her that, like trying to organize it. But I think it, it would be more relaxed <laughs> if everyone understood what the signals meant. Yes. Um, and what I'm also hearing from you is that if it's it's easier and more fun when you have experienced unicorns. Yeah. Which, which hasn't been what we've looked for in the past. It's I think we're, clearly we're, just, we're retarded we're now that I know. A, a place <laughs> of learning and I think, to I think that's out. I think that's normal learning though. Honestly, yeah. I think in the beginning it was like, oh yeah, I can meet somebody who's never done polyamory but thinks that it'd be cool and they've been thinking about it. Sure, and it's like no way unless you've been through a one year long polyamorous relationship. I don't even want to have this discussion anymore because it's. It's not gonna end up well for anybody. Make yeah. all the beginning mistakes again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go just, find your community, about, go try it out, and then let's. I, I talk feel like again. the longer we go, we stop prioritizing that that one little tiny moment of like the amazing sexuality, yeah. and start prioritizing what's it gonna be like in the future. Like, is this someone yeah. that we're gonna be able to grow with, or that we're gonna like all come out of this situation and feel good about? Like, you know. Yeah. 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 I right. feel like that becomes more of the weight of the will this happen or not, rather than just like focusing on that sexual... I liked, the the I moment liked, of pleasure yeah, versus yeah. the, the long-term benefits. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I like to think in this new life chapter, we both kind of agreed, like, seeing what that experience was like this summer, and now we're like, oh, we're actually going to be looking for a different type of partner moving forward. Totally. And I feel like also, like, we have now been doing this for so many years that, like, we're in different, even at, like, an age bracket of who we're looking for, and they tend to be people who know what they want and have had more experience, and I, it's so much more relaxing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think it's with any skill set, though, right? Like, yeah. even as a dancer, I'm like, at some point, you realize you're no longer a beginner, mm -hmm. and then you realize, at some point, you realize, oh, I'm a pretty advanced dancer. I want to dance with the advanced dancers. That's yeah. that's what feels great. We can move, we speak the same language, we move easily. Yeah, There's just so much more joy there. And from time to time, like, I understand that, as part of the community and supporting new newbies, like I will dance with beginners, but I have boundaries and I know where we're gonna go and I, I it's not the same. I, I won't surrender to the experience. Oh, that's I know. a great metaphor. You're not gonna yeah, let some newbie lead you and just fuck up all the steps. Um, or if I do, uh, or if I know, do, I know it. what I'm expecting and I'm yeah. not gonna like spend the whole night dancing with them. Right? Yeah. It's like we'll do one dance. So you can see what it's like to dance with somebody who can hold their own weight and knows how to follow, right? Mm. I want you to have that experience, but it's going to be just a sample. Then you go out and take a bunch of classes and then come back when you've yeah. actually like grown, developed yourself, and then we'll dance more. Yeah, it's funny. Even though I'm, I'm very like proud of how far I feel like we've come in our communication and what we want, and now I'm like, yeah, we were on chapter one, but now we're on chapter three, and then I meet you, and I'm like, you're on like chapter 20. Like There is <laughs> so much to like learn and grow and like... You're so grounded in your 
in all of your like beliefs and your practices I'm like I need to hang out with you more I want to know you guys have so much time like I think about where I was in my journey and where you both are and and um it's you're right where you need to be Hmm. there's no rush right all these experiences are helping you grow and you're so far ahead of many people so how the medicine you're giving people right now is so important and if you're still doing this podcast in 10 years, it's going to be a very different podcast. That's true. So we'll be wiser people then. I've, I'm going to jump <laughs> back because I just realized I'm curious. When you're in your kind of play, party, container, orgy situations, just the technical how-to of uh, STDs, STIs, birth control, is everyone tested before and on birth control? Or is it different for every person? Like, do you need to know who's on what? And, like, like is that just a group conversation that happens or is everyone responsible for their own stuff like how does that work I'm, I'm very seattle in this way and seattle is very much like formal everything is done there's documentation like before you get in the done. door you check your papers i have i i'm yeah i'm pretty like not fun and spontaneous mm-hmm. anymore <laughs> i don't <laughs> know if i yeah i was i definitely was when i was younger um but now i even have a letter and i'm happy to share it with you but it's I call it my safer sex form letter, and I literally send it to people, and it starts with, if you're reading this letter, it's because either one, I, it might be helpful for you from an educational perspective, mm-hmm. or two, I'm, I want to play with you. And so let me walk you through, here's how I like to play, here's my STI wow. status, here's the last time I was tested, here are the results, you can find a, a link to the actual results Ooh. on Google Drive here. Like a Google Drive link in there. Here's what turns me on, here's what turns me off and here's who I'm currently bonded with and what that means, right? So it's all in one letter, and I just send it, and it's all documented. And then I ask for the same thing back so that if I, at a time, there was a point in my time when I was playing with so many people. You had to pull up their file. I had to pull up their file and remember who they are and make sure we're on the same page. Then I have to check in right before we play. Has anything changed around your sexual safety status? Because I am responsible for myself, but also the entire community that I'm engaged with. And so I want to protect everyone. And there's so much you can do. I mean, like, just because somebody doesn't have, has a negative status in something doesn't mean you can't play with them. It just means you have to know how to play. Different precautions. Right. And, oh, my. So for those of you listening, I need to see this letter because that is clearly a way more developed version of the yes, no, maybe checklist that we send you guys that we talk about. I love the yes, no, maybe checklist. But it's, it's like a WhatsApp copyable. It's like three paragraphs of just, like... And, you, and you, people fill it out with emojis because uh, it's faster for them. Uh-huh. And, and they're like, oh, I've never even thought to ask partners this. But yeah. I feel like that's the first, like, snippet of this letter that could have Google Drive links. That's so yeah. efficient. It's so efficient. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is my human resources background coming in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, I don't know if you're familiar with Reed Mahalko's work. If mm-hmm. not, I highly recommend it. Reed Mahalko is one of my favorite uh, sex educators. Um, he's known as the sex geek, and he has an amazing resource called the Safer Sex Elevator Speech, or Pitch, something like that, and it is amazing. I'll try to find you a link, but he just talks about how can you have this conversation quickly and with less awkwardness, and honestly, it is so important, you know, and once you learn to get over the awkwardness and you're running the show, it's like, oh, I can do this in my sleep, and it's not stressful, yeah. and then everybody's more at ease, and most people are already like, I wish I would have that, but I don't know how to have that, and the next day I'm still thinking about it, and it's like, mm-hmm. just get it done. Just get it done so you all can just relax and surrender into pleasure. Yeah. I have a question, if you're open to sharing. Um, so once you found your current partner, your husband, yeah. you said you had like five other partners at that point. Um, yeah. What happened with them? Were they brought into this new relationship, or yeah? So did things transform or change in any way? Things transformed a lot, but mostly because we decided to become parents, mm-hmm. and okay. that so. really changed things. Like we wanted to be parents quickly, 
And so for us, it was how I felt around anybody else being inside my uterus, <laughs> inside my womb space was, it just wasn't there. And so a lot of the relationships that I've been in transitioned into dear friendships. And I'm still friends with and... all of them. Yeah. Okay. And that just made sense. And we honored that. Um, and then after that, I was in a more of a momogamish space for a while. And then when we started opening up again, it was, I really wanted to be with people that I'd already been in love with. And so I went, the first person I saw was two years after we'd had our first baby. And Jamin was like, go. Like, you were hired to go speak on the other side of the country. Let's wean the baby off of breastfeeding because you've been ready to do that for a while. Go on this trip. Is there any lover you want to see? You're there, and I hadn't even thought of it at that time. I've been like two years of pretty much monogamy, mm-hmm. um, where well, monogamy for me, not for him. And so then, because he's more of an energetic sensual in the erotic blueprints, and so he had many energetic lovers around the world, and there was no penetration, but it was still extremely deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here I am, like, oh yeah, as a kinky sexual blueprint, what do mm-hmm. I want? And it's like, oh my, like one of my favorite, if not my favorite. If I had to rank people, lovers of the, my past, yeah. I was like, I wonder if he's available. And I reached out to him. <laughs> Slide into his like, DMs. You're like, hey. Yeah. And he was like, I will fly in to meet you. And then another Whoa. friend of mine who was my doula and who's a sex educator, she was like, I'm going out of town that weekend. You guys can have my apartment. Do you want me to leave condoms and lube out? I'm what? like, yes. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And so it was this epic weekend of being fucked back into remembering who I am outside of being just a mom. Wow. And that was reawakening. It was my reawakening. It was my reawakening into my sexuality again, and it was so powerful. And I got to bring that home to my husband, and from there, it just blossomed into so much more of us, like really being conscious about how we're connected with our people mm-hmm. and how we're allowing ourselves to expand and grow in this. You guys sound amazing. I want to spend more time with him now too. Like, He's awesome. Like I, I mentioned to you at the beginning of the episode that I actually met her partner at a party before but I didn't know it was her partner so me and him were just like talking shit about kind of open poly things and I was like wow this guy's super cool but like it wasn't a great atmosphere to like really dive deep on things and now that I, I'm hearing like her side of it I'm going oh this makes perfect sense uh-huh. like like he's so lovey and sweet I think that when I was talking he was in a cuddle puddle of like a yes. bunch of people and they all just like were so melted onto him yeah. like he was just like this warm rock and everyone just wanted to lay and like he was yes. so loved, and I was like, wow, you guys are some special humans. Uh. <laughs> um, one of the main questions I have then, which I ask for everyone, but I feel like might not even be applicable to you because maybe you were just born with like this capacity for love. Are either of you jealous? Do you have jealous tendencies? We are totally not human. We've never experienced any big emotions. There's no jealousy. Fuck no. you. <laughs> God damn. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> of course we do. Of course yeah? we do. And I think it's like, do you ever experience anger? Yeah, yeah, I think it's such a ridiculous, no offense, but I think it's a ridiculous question that we all ask. It's like, right. do you experience jealousy ever in real life about anything else? Probably. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been jealous about another performer? Have you ever been jealous about yeah. somebody getting a job? Have you ever been jealous about, you know, a lover having had another lover before? They ever dated somebody before you, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, jealousy is a, an emotion. And then for me, this is going back to what is Realer in Love all about, it's about learning how to be in your emotions. And most of us didn't learn how to be in our emotions. And so what I put people through is called emotional potty training. (laughs) It's like what we were taught was that you experience something, most of us were taught, you experience something, and then immediately it's shut down or you're distracted away from it. So if a child is running, falls down, gets hurt, you're like, oh, be a man, or be, 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 be a big boy, don't cry, shake right? It off, shake it off. Shake yeah. it off, right? Or 
Um, or here, look at this shiny toy that I got over here. Whatever it is to get you out of the present moment and invalidate your experience. Mm. And so instead, it's like, well, if you go back to that child and you're like, wow, this is emotion coaching, it's three steps. The first step is witness what just happened. So you were running really fast and then you fell down and you scraped your knee. Second step is to validate the emotions. Oh, like to express the emotions. So you're probably feeling really sad and scared and surprised and in pain. Third step is to validate and empathize. So, you know, when I run and fall down, I also feel really sad and surprised and I also feel the pain. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mm. I'm here for you. Do you need anything? That's it. And by the time I finished that, it took me 30 seconds and they're like, oh, you saw me. My experience is okay. My experience is real. You understand. Great. You understand. And now I'm going to go play again. Huh. And that's what we do for kids. What if we did that for ourselves? So here we are. Our, you know, at the end of the threesome has come and she's getting the cuddles and I'm not. And I'm like, how do I emotion coach myself? Oh, here I am. Oh, I'm not being cuddled right now and I really want that. And I am feeling sad and lonely and hurt and abandoned. Mm -hmm. And, um... And I've felt this way before. What other times in my life have I felt this way? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is actually bringing up stuff from when I was little. And my dad did that thing. And, oh, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I can just relive it all right now. How can I just be really gentle with myself? Do I need to ask for something? Mm -hmm. Do I need to be asked to be held? What do I need in this moment to be with those emotions? Because if we just jump over them and I just decide to shut it down, then then it doesn't, it, ha it stays in our body, right? It's a somatic experience. Our body remembers the trauma. I feel called out. <laughs> so it's like, how do we actually release that and be with the emotions and allow them to be safe, allow the jealousy to be there, allow it to move through us. Emotions need to be in motion. And then we can move forward instead of we build it all up and eventually we get so fucking constipated that we shit all over our partner. We shit all over the house. We shit all over everybody around us because we explode instead of learning how to release daily so, yeah. so how, do you, how do you release daily like what yeah. are the practices that you do yeah so I do emotional release practices I think some of the best ones you can find through a group called the International School of Temple Arts very controversial group uh, but ISTA is has got some really great tools out there and it's basically learning how to feel your emotions during the day so for example if I'm in my practice I'll maybe put on an angry song and I'll hit my pillows and I'll allow myself to feel the anger. What am I angry about today? Or Because that's the easiest one for me to tap into is anger. Or I'll put on a sad song and I'll just like allow myself to sit there and feel all the sadness that wants to come and cry. Or or even make the face as if you're weeping. If you're doing this, your body feels it. And it will allow, sorry if you can't, if you're just listening in. <laughs> I uh, put my hands up in the air like I'm wailing. And maybe I'll be on my knees and I'll like make a sad face with an open mouth where it looks like I'm weeping, but I'm not actually, but our body will like tran like tap into all that energy and let it start flowing. Hmm. Another one I love is pillow fucking because our pelvis holds so much trauma uh, for everyone. And so just taking a pillow and like pretending like you're fucking a doggy style, just slam it into your, mm. into your pelvis just can release movies. so much that's there. And you don't even know. You're like, okay, well, how can I be in this and let it move? And, mm. and this practice is what we don't do all of these, but some of these we do with our kids, right? Mm -hmm. So we're modeling it for them. Oh, you're feeling a big emotion. Great. Let's go hit some pillows together. Yeah. Let's go outside and howl at the moon to use our vocal cords and release the stress that's inside of us. How do we really just be with that's there instead of pushing it away and hiding it and keeping it small? And even if I'm driving on like a, my, I have a scooter, so if I'm driving on a scooter and I almost get in a car accident, you know, I almost get in a bike accident, 
instead of going to instantly shake it off, keep going, I literally would pull over to the side of the road and give myself 30 seconds to be like, wow, I'm, that was really scary. I'm feeling the adrenaline. I'm feeling the rush. Instead, I'm going to breathe through it. I'm going to tell myself I'm okay instead of just keep going. So well, it makes you a better driver, too. Like, when that happens, like, cars here, traffic can be kind of crazy in LA, so especially when you're, like, on a motorcycle and people get oh, really yeah. close to you or cut in front of you, and we're just both cursing, and we're like, you son of a bitch, like, fuck you, you know? We're, like, yeah. super mad about it, but we probably should pull off and give ourselves a second to, like, check in, and we're like, you good, you good, like... Yeah. Okay. Grounding. Yeah. Your children are going to be so well-balanced. Who knows? I think. <laughs> Who knows? But, I mean, like, I'm planting the seeds, and we'll see what happens. They're their yeah. own people. People are always like, oh, my God, I want to be your kids. They must be amazing. I'm like, they're just normal kids. They're just, they're amazing souls, yeah. but they're also just normal kids. And you hear, yeah. we'll see what they turn into and what they choose to keep or not, mm-hmm. but hopefully it saves them a couple of thousand dollars in therapy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, like, when the, the, the sentence that brought up so much like awe to me is when you know you've been kind of focusing on being a parent and being a mom and then your husband offers you you know is there any past lover you want to reconnect with yeah so openly and freely like in our current like container relationship that would not happen like it's not Mm -hmm. possible because of like the kind of the ownership or the tendencies like that does when he's feeling jealous or he feels like a boundary's been crossed how do you guys bring that up to each other? Do you like, just sit down and are like, hey, I want to go over this. This is what happened. We have a cup of tea, some oh. donuts. No, <laughs> like. no we, we definitely have learned some amazing tools over time. One of my favorite is called Imago Dialogue. But we invite each other into a conversation. The invitation is really important. And then we've mm-hmm. learned some really powerful listening tools. Again, this is, this is exactly the stuff that Realer and Love is all about. It's okay. like, how do you learn how to listen to each other? How do you learn how to communicate what's on your heart? And how do you learn how to hear your partner without taking everything so defensively and get to the meaning? Because underneath all these stories we have, and they're all just stories, there's a meaning. There's something that happened probably in your childhood that helped you create this story of what love or relationships or your partner is supposed to be. And so Mm -hmm. coming to the base of that and saying, oh, does this actually still serve me? Is this what I actually believe now? Do I need this to feel safe? Do I need this to feel free? And if not, what can we create that would give me that sense of safety and freedom together without it totally destroying us? And maybe there's something different we can do. Oh, interesting. Oh, my God. So because I want to respect your time, and I realize I have so many questions, I'm definitely going to need, like, a whole second episode. Are you good if we go into a, a quick fire round? Quick fire round, and then we'll do another episode yeah. of time. Okay, so <laughs> uh, one question is, what is the craziest place you've had sex? Oh, God, I have so many. Um, I joined, joined the Mile High Club in a single-engine plane over Lake Tahoe. Single-engine plane? Wait, so you were fucking the pilot? Yeah. Well, While he was flying? Well, I was in the Civil Air Patrol, so I knew how to fly a bit. And, okay. And then he was also a pilot. And wow. yes, we just took turns piloting oh, a plane. That's way more impressive. <laughs> it was very While wow, you're flying the plane. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, if you could have a dream, I guess I normally say threesome but, or morsome with anyone past, living, dead, celebrity, or otherwise... Who would it be? I think my my heart reaction instantly was John Legend. Yeah? (laughs) Okay. I just love that. So, like, artists and singers and... Yeah, but actually, uh, you're going to laugh at this, and maybe you won't. I really, really want to sleep with people who are um, more... So, recently, I went to an amazing class by... uh, I can't even think of his... He's he's an acrobat, capoeira guy and he mm-hmm. teaches this class on 
um, how to ha- like learn sexual positions. Mm. And it's amazing. And I went and I was like, this is so good. And just the way he knew how to be with somebody's body and move, like the mechanics. Was of that here in L.A.? It was here in L.A. I must go. Yes. I must go to this yes. class. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he lives in L.A. Okay. And, um, and it's just, it was phenomenal. And just watching him, like, they don't teach this stuff. They don't teach this stuff to normal people of like, oh yeah, you just grab the base and you rotate here and you move. And it was like, as a as a tall woman who's got great birthing hips, it's <laughs> just like, I don't get thrown around very much. Hmm. And this guy could just throw me around. And in the class, every guy there by the end could throw me around. I was like, what? Ooh, why technique. don't we all just learn techniques like this? So, And then I was like, why haven't I fucked acrobats? What is like, like? What is going on in it my life? It is our specialty. That's <laughs> what we're good at. <laughs> so this is my new like aha moment of like if I went back in time, I would sleep with way more, way more like in their body people. Does that so make sense? So it'd be John Legend, so he can sing to you, yep. and then an acrobat who could throw you around. Exactly. At the same time. At the same time. That's what do you, what do that's you, a mix. Sing to you. Uh, yeah. this is She'll be folded into a pretzel while yes. someone's singing to her. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it. That'd be great. <laughs> oh my god. Um, do you have any memorable or unique kinks that you would like to share? Like, do you have one that comes to mind where you're like, "I love smashing grapes in my feet," or like we've just heard oh, some weird interesting ones. ones. Oh, my kink yeah. is definitely new experiences. So okay. anytime there's a new experience, I'm like that. Whatever that is, and it can be for the person too that I'm with. But I've done many, many, many weird things. And yeah, I mean, there are kink conferences that I've taught at, so wow. we've gotten to do some crazy shit. I have so many links for you. Um, is there something that comes to mind that you wish you could tell your younger self? Like, if you could tell yourself as, like, mm. a teenager moving yeah. forward, or like, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's I know my core wound, and my core wound is not being good enough. Mm. And, that, and it's not safe to be me, because if I'm me, then I won't be good enough, and I won't be loved. So if I could somehow actually have her believe that, and I don't know if I would have believed her, right? But it'd be like, you are more than enough, and you are deserving of love, and just the way you are. That's a good one. And then the last one is, do you have any uh, asks or homework assignments that you would like our audience to try, anything you'd like them to try and do this week, mm. or ask themselves? Mm. Other than yeah. obviously reading your amazing, amazing book. Oh, thanks. <laughs> There were so many resources I gave, but honestly, the first step, so what I teach in Reeler in Love is that there's a four-step cycle on how to break out of the patterns we're in and shift more into practice. And the first step is what my invitation to everyone is, is just be curious. Hmm. So many people don't even hit the first phase of being curious. They just, this is my life. This is how relationships are. This is how love is. This is, this is just it. And we don't get curious. And so whatever you're feeling... Um, stuck on or you're just feeling like blah in like that's the place to be curious is this how I want to begin my day is this how I want to greet my partner is this how I want to make love right it's like if if you don't have to do anything right now besides get curious first once the curiosity comes you can start developing something that works better for you it's beautiful and then how should people get in touch with you I will just reiterate and I will also link everything for her her book her website the Instagram yeah um, so reallyinlove.com, mm-hmm. easy. And you can also find me on Instagram at Coach Ari Cardosh. Ooh, and then I also wrote down all of the books that she mentioned. I will try and get all of those in the show notes as well. Uh, this is episode one of two. There will be another one at some point because <laughs> now I have so many questions. My mind is blown. But thank you for coming all the way out and sitting on our couch with us. My pleasure. For an hour, and I'm glad to finally meet you. Uh, likewise. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>